Welcome to Challenging Paradigm X. My name is Xerxes Waschengeer and in my podcast I interview people who challenge the status quo. My guest today is Haushita, a shaman, non-shaman. I met Haushita in 2018 when I retreated to La Gomera after my 11-year relationship and marriage broke up. We worked with Cambo, a frog poison from the Amazon. And quite frankly, it changed my life and initiated the metamorphosis to become the person I am today. Haushita is a very remarkable woman. After having been diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 22, her condition deteriorated constantly. At the age of 26, she decided to go to South America to work with indigenous healers. There, out of the last seven years, she has been living with indigenous tribes in the Amazonian jungle, learning from healers for more than three years. Her aim is to inform people about the path of working with sacred medicines like Cambo, Ayahuasca, Rapé and Bufo in a sustainable way. Furthermore, she will give us an authentic perspective about the path of so-called shamanic healing. This week's edition of Challenging Paradigm X is the first part of a two-part interview with Haushita. She will talk about shamans, and she will deconstruct the myth around the shaman label. She will tell us what drove her for the last seven years to travel alone, to visit and learn from different indigenous tribes. She will explain what the indigenous warrior medicine combo is all about. And she will talk about the importance of the dieta, the diet, for receiving teachings from spirits. And of course, she will tell us what spirits are. For this edition of Challenging Paradigm X, I have a disclaimer. In this episode, when we talk about medicine or sacred medicines, we do not refer to Western medicine, but rather indigenous natural substances that are considered by indigenous people as sacred medicines. Furthermore, do not look to this interview for conventional medical advice. So if you're interested in these topics and in entering another dimension, stay tuned. So hi, here's Xerxes, and today I'm here with Haushita. I know you for quite for some time, and we work together. And what was always uh, really striking to me is that most people who do the things that you do, they call themselves shaman but you don't. So please tell me, why why don't you call yourself a shaman, although you do a lot of things that people who call themselves shamans do? Well, I believe that the word shaman, the term shaman as it is used nowadays, especially in the new, new age approach to healing, is not used in its proper way okay the word the word shaman has a true origin linguistically yeah it goes back as far as we know i can't prove this but this is what some sources say it goes back to some indigenous group using a specific language and there they were using a specific word that is referring to our nowadays shaman and that was like in east siberia five thousand years ago yeah in their understanding, it's a person, a person who knows, 
a person who's bridging between the spirit world and the world we are living in. Here in South America, where I have been living and studying in the last seven years, no one uh, of true connection with that spirit world would call themselves shaman. I never encountered that word ever in all my travels into the jungle. Okay, so, that's very interesting. So, so they call themselves maybe translated to the healer of the village or the chief and the elder of the village who's also supporting the community to heal. But shaman as such, I, I never ran across it. A lot of people who are working in that realm of connecting our world with that spirit world, they wouldn't even use the words to describe themselves. They just do what they do. And that's all, that's all it is. They don't have to call themselves something. As a friend of mine is saying when he's closing his ceremonies, if someone asks you, who are you? And you answer with what you do, like with one profession that you do or one passion, you're just going to describe and minimize a part of yourself that is just that, but you are much more beyond this. You know, so, okay. and I, I'm just always disturbed by the, the use of that word shaman, which is used quite a lot in that scene of healing work. It's, it's overly used. It's an overly used word term. And I never encountered it. That's why I believe I don't call myself I'm a shaman. Okay. So what are people calling themselves, like the medicine men and women in the indigenous cultures? What are they calling themselves? So it depends on where you go, like which country or area in South America. But maybe they call themselves Taita, which is the grandfather, or Curandero, Curandera which is the, the healer. They call themselves uh, Pajé, uh, which is the one that, that takes care of the healing of the village, sometimes Cacique. So th these are the terms that I have encountered throughout the years, as well next to the people who don't call themselves with no word. Like, they just have a name, they, their name, you know, their, their personal name. Okay. So it's very interesting because, I mean, when we talk about shamans here in the West, so the first people, at least this is my impression, the first people that we think of are South American or North American uh, indigenous people who are the healers of the tribe. Then secondly, um, there is a lot of people here in the West that call themselves shaman because they have done one education or the other of a sort. So it's really interesting that you say you never encountered the word of shaman in the indigenous cultures, but does it exist in Latin America and South America in another context? Because 
when people go to South America, they usually refer the, to the visit if they go and do medicine work. They they refer to visiting shaman or shaman center, shaman healing center or anything of that sort. Is there other people calling themselves shamans that are not the original healers of tribes? Yeah. So one thing I just want to add before I answer this is that the use of the word, uh, for example, shaman center, I'm going to visit my shaman in South America. This term is kind of a popular term to describe this whole realm, but is it a real term to do so? And for your question, there is a lot of people calling themselves, I am a shaman here in South America, outside of indigenous villages and indigenous context. Yes. Okay, so what you're basically saying is that it is a popular use of, or let's say it's a commercial use for Western tourists or also Eastern tourists to use the term shaman? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, so in a way you could say if someone calls himself shaman or refers to himself shaman or herself shaman in, in South America, then basically you can be quite assured that this person is A, not really a shaman and B, quite likely doing this out of uh, commercial reasons. Well, you always have to look at the specific case who's saying that and what is behind it. But the phenomenon of that term shaman is a worldwide one. And yeah, oftentimes it is connected to a commercial approach and a label, hey, I'm a shaman, so you can trust me, I'm going to heal you. Okay. And, and that's not what it is. Okay, all right. No, it's very interesting because as I said, and I, I think that most people associate it in a very different way than you refer to also, I know people who are in the healing space who have been to Latin America and they refer to, to also always to shamans. So you're actually the first person that explains this whole thing to me in this way. And I find it very interesting. So you also mentioned another thing that when someone says that or asks you what you do, and then you answer with one simple answer like, I am a carpenter, I'm a shaman, I'm a consultant, counselor, whatever, that you re reduce yourself. So how would you describe who you are, what you do, what your life is like, however you like to describe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the question, what do you do? How's your life like? It's a very interesting question because it's so many things. First of all, I suppose yeah, I'm a human being trying to live my life uh, in a happy and a healthy way in a holistic approach. I have a strong and great passion for the jungle 
and indigenous culture, tradition, history. And I share information about a specific medicine from the Amazon rainforest here, which is a kambo. Kambo is a frog. The indigenous people use it to treat a person for specific reasons. So I have a YouTube channel where I'm sharing some educational videos about the topic of Kambo medicine. I see myself uh, in that position that a responsibility I have because I believe in that medicine so much and I love it so much is to share information. I'm also sharing the medicine to people in one-on-one treatments, one-on-one ceremonies. Besides that, I I study uh, a lot about the indigenous cultures that I'm interested in by living with them. And also when I'm not in the jungle living with them, I'm studying their languages, their body art, their, their chantings, their healing songs, which I recorded. And so a lot of that rotates for me around studying the mythology and the cosmology of the indigenous people, which fulfills me because it's like interwoven in everything I have experienced so far. And another thing that I I was about to to start, and then now we are in this new situation of worldwide lockdown, is to look for land in the lowland jungle here in the north of Peru. And to to be able in a in a community crowdfunding project one day to to buy land to preserve it to conserve it to build a bigger project for the future to be able to buy a big piece of land maybe ten thousand hectare and be able to save that jungle from being destroyed if I buy it a company cannot buy it and destroy it. Ecuador now just has sold a very big amount of Amazon rainforest in Ecuador. I think it's one third. One third of Amazon rainforest in Ecuador is sold now to China. So the reason why I want to do that is to to give back to the jungle where I have received so much of my own life and, and so much healing and transformation. This is what I'm what I'm focusing, but also I'm I'm practicing a kickboxing, which is another way of energy tool to move some things in life. And just currently, I just try to be <laughs> present in that moment that we are all living in right now. I would like to go a bit into combo medicine. I've experienced it. You initiated me in a way. And I think it's a very potent medicine, uh, perhaps of all the medicines I've worked with. It's the one I, although it is not as fancy as others, I like most. And I had most important transformational processes with. And it's interesting. I know a lot of people who are in doing medicine work for many years. They haven't done it and they don't have any interest to do it. 
But what I want to really uh, ask you is if you could share with us what combo medicine is and also give us maybe a picture of what it is beyond just the what it does to the body, but what it is in a bigger picture. Yeah, sure. So Cambo is a term for the giant leaf frog that inhabits the Amazon basin here in South America. The biological term is Philomedusa bicolor. It's a night active frog that lives high up in the trees. And the indigenous people use its poison, its secretion, um, already for a long time to either prepare the men of the tribe to go on a hunt or to heal something they call the, the dark, heavy spirit that inhabits the system that has become an energy matter and therefore needs to get treated. Yeah, to explain these things a little better, the Kambo medicine for the indigenous people is warrior medicine because it connects you stronger to the spirits of the jungle. You can hear better, you can smell better, you can see better. You're not that hungry, you're not that thirsty, so going on a hunt for a couple of days and nights is less of a problem. But it's, but it's also giving you this center of being focused and a specific warrior attitude. Yeah. On the other hand, when we talk about healing a person, um, helping a person to get rid of a specific energy, that is a process to, to help the person release something that has accumulated in the system. Yeah. The way the medicine gets applied is by burning the first layer of the skin with small dots in specific parts of the body that are connected to, so to say, the lymphatic system and its entrance gateways. And there the person receives a few dots of that poison. Yeah. Because in nature... The Kambo frog is releasing that poison to fend off predators, like a snake tries to eat the frog, and so the poison gets released and the snake lets go. It's, it's, it's a survival mechanism. Yeah? When it comes to the treatment, it's important to, to stick with a specific diet and also a fasting fasting before you receive the medicine that you receive in the early morning, really, in the jungle context. You have to drink on the empty stomach a specific amount of um, water or kasuma. Kasuma is a beverage the indigenous people make out of the yuca or manioc root, which is kind of the jungle potato. It's, it's, it's a very important supplement for them. So you drink this on the empty stomach and you receive the medicine. It's a quite quick and strong process. And what is happening is that the medicine doesn't contain any psychoactive alkaloids, but what it does, it contains peptides, a wide range of peptides that is activating and, and renewing and refreshing and healing your own peptide range in the body. It's, it's activating your lymphatic system. It's boosting your lymphatic system. It's cleaning it out. And the way you react from the outside 
can look quiet and intimidating or strong or intense because you have a very strong physical experience, first of all, with it. You get hot, the heart is beating faster, you might swell up in the face, you might look like a frog, you might even swell up from the inside. You feel a pressure in your upper body, pulsating behind your ears. You can have different sensations in that respect. You can also have some pains in the body. You can have some emotional process going on. And what's going to happen after a few minutes is that you're usually going to start vomiting. Gambo is a fire medicine. Yeah. So with the, the liquid that we are drinking on the empty stomach, we're helping it to come out. Usually the area is also part, a part of it. Yeah. This is the initial process of purging, so to say. It's not just on a scientific level, boosting your system and, and regenerating your cells and, and helping you to, to heal specific ailments like chronic diseases. But what it is doing is also taking out energy that has become something chronic in your system, maybe your depression, maybe your sadness, maybe not knowing where to go in life. Personally, for me, the camel medicine gives you a direction for your life. Yeah? It's, it's a very gentle and loving medicine, the, the spirit of the frog, even if the process might, might sound and look intense. But the spirit of the camel becomes your friend and your guide and it will be there for you to, to help you maneuver and navigate through your specific intention to work with that medicine. This is how I perceive it personally. And the, the, the process itself, of course, demands from you to a specific way of commitment to, okay, this feels intense, but I'm not going to panic now. And it's important to breathe and stay connected and, and go for it. No, like receive it as a blessing and, and be, be strong in that moment and be aware of what is going on because uh, it can be an intense experience, which can bring people to the edge of not knowing what to do with that or, panicking or having some fear or or wanting it to be over fast but once you connect with it your work with it also will change on a, on a longer term because you you then know how you're going to react and all of this and you will be able to perceive more of the energetic and spiritual benefits of that medicine okay very interesting Maybe I'd like to add for my personal experience with Cambo, I think my <clears throat> my first session took maybe one hour and there was a lot of resistance against what was going on in, in the process. I have to say I was also in a quite special situation. I was uh, just separated from woman I was in relationship with for 11 years and 8 years married and we were just about to get divorced and this medicine really helped me to process a lot and uh, it was interesting how the first few times actually there was so much resistance to go into the process and to purge and then really, after a couple of times, the whole process took 10 minutes. And uh, the one-hour process is, of course, much more intense because it's an intense physical process. 
And that's also the reason I feel like, uh, I don't know what your experience is uh, from the people you know, but I feel like because it's just an intense process and doesn't have any psychoactive or obvious psychoactive effects, that a lot of people don't want to do it because it's not, as I said before, I would call it fancy. But I can say it was my personal experience, although it's so intense, one of the best medicines, oh, actually one of the best is is, is uh, not uh, framing it right. So I would say it's, it's, it's the most valuable medicine I have personally experienced in my life. So what's your experience with people who don't have the combo experience or have combo experience maybe in connection to other to other medicines for example i've heard they often do it after ayahuasca sessions what's your experience of, as combo being a, a medicine a standalone medicine on the one hand and at the other hand when it comes to the resistance that people have against the medicine in general to try it. And like in my case, the first few times where I really fought against the medicine, not allowing myself to purge. And I guess I'm not the only one that has this experience and that has this type of approach within the first few sessions. Yeah. So in general, what I perceive is that Kambo is a underestimated medicine in general when it comes to the sacred medicines. Yeah. It is always seen as, yeah, you can clean out toxins with that medicine and it's good for your health. But that's not giving credit to this to this complexity and to the capacity that the medicine is sharing with the people. Another thing is that a lot of people hear stories. They hear a lot of stories about people who have received the medicine and a lot of traumatic experiences shared. A lot of people having had, having had bad experiences with this medicine. Yeah, And there is a lot of people out there who who have experiences that are shocking to listen to. And I believe it has something to do that maybe people do not understand this medicine entirely who share it. Not all of them, but there is some risk to health when it comes to this medicine. There are counterindications when it comes to work with this medicine. Because it is so strong on the system, you have to be careful with medical counterindications, pharmaceutical, um, chronic diseases and all of that. So that that is that is one part of it. Sorry to interrupt you. It is actually yeah. a dangerous medicine if not applied properly because it's a poison, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean for the exactly. people who don't know it at all. I mean the way yeah. you talk about it now is uh, there can be problems, but in reality it's it's a poison and not applied properly it can kill you. Yeah. Isn't it? Of course, it, it it can lead to to reactions in your body that can lead to a heart attack or you not being able to breathe anymore, having an anaphylactic shock, and okay. that of course leads to to death. So 
it's a poison, but you need to know how much of that poison and how much you have to use from that poison. Yeah, like the quantity, but also how do you apply it? Like what's the pathway? What's the what's the what's the way to work with that medicine? So it's not just that easy. It's not that I'm gonna drink that and I'm gonna purge and it's all gonna be good. It's not like that, you know. There are also counterindications with other sacred medicines. Yeah, it's not that Cambo is the only one that has counterindications or or can risk your 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 life in a specific moment. There are also other medicines, but to be sure that you're not gonna be put at risk you have to talk to the person beforehand and, and go through a specific checklist of counterindications and, and really ask the specific questions and, and go into that. It's not just something that you, that you share. When it comes to the, the reference that you gave to having resistance and, and blockage, oftentimes we are coming into a process where we want to heal something with Kambo coming from a specific consciousness about ourselves. So for example, very simple example, and a lot of people will be able to connect to it. I'm coming out of a relationship and I'm heartbroken and I just feel terrible. Yeah. So they want to feel better again. Right. But what is behind that relationship and what the relationship is triggering in the process of separation is connected to things that are even older than that relationship, to maybe some experiences you had in your childhood or teenage time, even some experiences that you are not so aware of right now or that have kind of moved from consciousness to subconsciousness. So resistance, having a resistance in your system towards the process or the medicine is something very normal because you have been functioning the way you have been functioning and feeling for a long time. And then there is something coming into your system and it's like shaking, shaking it all up, but not on a, on the way of, Oh, I'm having a vision of, you know, something beautiful, like with other entheogenic medicines and approaches. And it's beautiful. No, it's like, taking you and shaking you up and it's really intense. And then your cellular intellig intelligence, so to say, and the vibration in your body, which is used to that kind of level of vibration now gets shaken up. And what comes next is something else, but we're holding on to it naturally because we have never learned something else. And we are used to it. We are used to function in a specific way. And when you're used to something, it's your comfort zone. So it's hard to get out of it. It's hard to move out of it. It's, it's hard to, it's a challenge to change your life and really face it. So of course it's normal and natural and there's no big deal about this. To feel a resistance or to have a resistance, a resistance blockage is showing throughout the process. What is important is this medicine is also not for everybody. Not every sacred medicine is for everybody out there. You really have to feel the call. 
And even if you are aware of, wow, it's a difficult process and I have resistance and wow, that was, that was a crazy ride. And, but still, if you feel like you want to continue working with it, if you have the call and you have the yes, because it's your free choice to work with this medicine, you work with it. But if you feel like that, that's not for me, no one should be forced to, to work with that medicine or with any other medicine. What I wanted to also ask you in the respect of any medicine, sacred medicine, and in specific now, Cambo, because we talked about Cambo now, is uh, the role of the dieta, also perhaps uh, connected to the dangers of the me of, of medicines. So maybe to give you some some more context, uh, why I'm also interested in that. I mean, what I hear sometimes when people, you know, sending messages on Facebook or other platforms, email, whatever, saying, yeah, we still have one spot or one, one person can still join this combo retreat that starts tomorrow or in two days. And what I know from my personal work with you is that dieta has a, a very important role or is it a role that you give it to the dieta or is that your experience that you have from the jungle so i'd be interested uh, what the role of a dieta is how important it is if it's just optional or not when it comes to preparing for medicine rituals taking sacred medicines please if you could give us some context yeah sure so let's talk about this concept of dieta first of all so people can understand a little bit about this or the diet so to say so when i started working with the sacred medicines in the peruvian rainforest i was following a specific tradition of healing and in that specific tradition it was not just about drinking ayahuasca in nighttime ceremonies with the healer, but also to do a specific dieta. This is how they call it here, the, the, the diet. With one specific plant, I did a lot of plant diets throughout the years. So what the, the framework is that you are deep in the jungle, you sit in your own wooden hut alone, you have no electricity, no Wi-Fi, of course, you should not, in very strict dietas, you should not read like books or listen to music. What you do the whole day is like, well, you are in the jungle and you're with yourself and you're meditating and you drink either daily or in a specific rhythm, the extract or the tea of a plant or a tree it might be the leaf the flower the root the bark whatever part of that plant is in the tradition the medicine will be prepared for you by the healer um, the person who provides that healing and the medicine you will start drinking this this plant medicine yeah and the reason or why you do that you have usually a specific intention either the person asks you what you want to work on or heal or they they don't even talk to you and they choose for you the plant because they 
they know what you need. They see where you have to start because in the Amazon rainforest, you can have plant dietas with, I believe, more than 500 plants. You know, so it's it's a lot of options. So you, so you drink um, these medicines and the spirit of the plant, which in which in the Peruvian tradition here is the the teacher. It becomes your teacher will come to you in dreams in the nighttime, will talk to you throughout the day, will show itself in specific teachings. So what you do is you enter the spirit world and you start communicating with the plant. And the plant is going to share its heart and its teachings and its understanding with you. But you have to keep some specific rules for that. So there are dietas, you can only eat a specific fish that only eats specific things. And if you eat another fish that doesn't go with the vibration of the plant and you break the dieta and it's not going to work anymore. So the general rules or setup is that you are, as I experienced it, I'm not allowed to talk to another person, which is not the person who makes my food or the healer. So everyone else, I'm not allowed to talk to, or I'm not allowed to come closer than 20 meters. I'm not allowed to give hugs during that time. I'm not allowed to leave my, my hut in the jungle. I can only eat very specific foods. Usually the taste is without any spices or something like, you know, like exciting to eat. It's like very plain and basic. Some, some, some veggies, of course, no alcohol, no cakes, no artificial sugar. All of that stuff is cut out. And, um, in the, in that tradition, you can work with the sacred tobacco plant to accompany the plant. Yeah, that is how I did it, for example. But you are not allowed to work with other medicines during the time and after the time. So the dieta starts before you receive the medicine. During the process, while you are with this medicine, it's about what do you put in your system? Which energies and vibrations do you put in your system? There are dietas you're not allowed to, to masturbate. And of course, not to have sex, not to mix your energy or to lose your energy. And then you have to keep a specific post dieta, and that differs from, from person to person you're going to work with for uh, 10 days or months after you have ingested that medicine to, to maintain your alliance with that spirit and to show the respect and be able to keep that medicine healthy in your system there are also counter indications the stronger the the plant medicine dieta gets the riskier a counter indication with breaking the the diet can be yeah so i heard a story that by accident someone was eating something during a dieta and that was causing a toxic interaction with the plant the person was ingesting on the dieta and the person nearly died. So this, this is how serious it can get. And before that, it's about losing the support of the spirits or the, the, 
the alliance that you are entering, the, the, the friendship, the, the sharing that you enter with the spirit, you're gonna, you're gonna lose it. So to be able to keep the teachings and the spirit becoming your guide and becoming your ally in your system, beyond the time that you're drinking the medicine, the, the rules of those traditions are important. And if you choose to work with one person, you have to respect their rules. And so when it comes to Kambo, I'm sorry, this is a bit uh, a lo a long of an answer, but it's, it's important to explain that. Mm, so when it comes to Kambo, and I believe the best thing you can do is like just observe how the indigenous people live. There are different ways in different indigenous tribes with Kambo medicine. Yeah? Some tribes are very strict about the dieta. Some tribes are not. Yeah? There are differences and there are similarities. What I have been doing is I have, observing, I have been observing all of the context of how they are, they are doing when they receive Kambo. What's the rotation here with food and energies and other medicines and so on and so on. And from my own experience, nearly doing plant dietas for two years in isolation in the, in the Peruvian jungle, I have created my own approach working with Kambo. So if you want to receive Kambo from me, you should follow my dieta, my diet rules. Because this is what I believe in is the most effective to prepare your system and maintain your system to receive that medicine. Just a simple example. <clears throat> Kambo is, as any other medicine, is a sacred medicine. Yeah? There's no endless supply of it. It's a sacred medicine. It's not endless frogs living on the planet. We have to be very aware of what we are doing here when we are receiving this medicine. So if you choose to work with Kambo, it's important to check in with yourself which habits you were having in your daily life which have not been serving you. For example, smoking a lot of cigarettes, drinking a lot of coffee. Do you really think that's healthy? So with, with doing Kambo, we have a chance to break through it and see what's behind that addictive behavior, for example. No? If you work with a medicine that is cleaning your lymphatic system and boosting your immune system, why would you after that drink alcohol or have a sweet cake? It doesn't make any sense. To me, it doesn't make any sense. And people might feel like that I'm very strict on this. And yeah, I am. Because I have heard or I hear people saying, oh, Kambo doesn't work on me. But the question is, yeah, what's the environment that you're creating for this medicine to enter your system? If you receive a Kambo treatment and you are having the chance to really meditate with yourself into yourself, and then an hour later you go out to party and you're so open energetically and then you are surprised why you feel a bit weird after that night. It's obvious, no? Because you mix your energy with other energies. So we have to learn to sit back <clears throat> in silence and in meditation and to allow something to enter our system without mixing our own energy with other energies and keeping a specific way because it's not unhealthy to, to keep a healthy diet doing Kambo and afterwards 
Because what you want is you want to heal something for yourself. And for that reason, you want to meet yourself in connection with the spirit of the frog with the least disturbances as possible. And that is why I'm so strict with the diet. On the other hand, too, we are talking about peptides. These are protein strings. There's food, like dairy products, that break the effect of specific peptides of the Cambo medicine in your system. So if you receive Cambo and an hour later you have specific dairy products, it's going to stop the process of peptide function in your system due to that, due to, due to that counterindication. I mean, you're not going to die, but you're going to lose it. You're going to lose what you were working on. You're going to interrupt the process. And for me to make sure that I can... I can, or I have the space to, to share that medicine and that the medicine can unfold its full potential and its full power and its full healing capacity. We have to create a space for that. And we have to keep that space and not just for a day because it's a sacred, it's a sacred work. And we are usually coming from the Western world needing or you know wanting wishing for healing so we come from our western worlds where we are not really in that flow of stepping back but we are more in the flow of yeah we are consuming and we are receiving and we are not really questioning all of that but working with a sacred medicine from an old ancient tradition of indigenous people we also have to take a moment and question our way of consuming energies and consuming food because maybe both don't go together. So the way I understand it after what you've explained now is that basically there is this level of, with the theater of the physical effect, but then apart from that, there's also a level of committing to a certain type of medicine work on the one hand. And at the other hand, there is a level of, you talked about respecting the spirits. And there's also this level when it comes to dieta. Do I understand it correctly? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And could you explain, I mean, a lot of people don't have a lot of an idea about spirits. Could you explain how you understand spirits when you talk about plant medicine, sacred medicine, and also basically when you talk about, I would say, things that are going on in general? Because spirits is most likely something that many people, they cannot, they don't associate anything with other than just like fantasy movies or whatever. Yeah, sure. So I would say to start simple, you sexes, you have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a heart, you are your own essence. You are an energy vibration. You are a frequency. 
and you're radiating this. And the way you appear is you have a body in this three-dimensional world, but inside and around that body, there are so many more things like energy vibration, aura, frequency, your soul, your heart, and all of that, things you can't like touch with the hand or see with the eyes, but you can feel them. And even if you sit there and you are in silence, I can feel you because you are radiating something. So for me, it's like that with the, the plants or, or the, the beings. You can also say maybe instead of spirit, you can say an entity, a specific form of vibration and frequency that not necessarily is to be like seen and analyzed in the 3D, but it's around us. Because as we know, there are different frequencies existing. When you look into music vibration and all of this is quite obvious, no? When we take a, a cup of water and we, for one week, say nice things to that cup of water, it's going to, under the microscope, uh, we, we can see the transformation of molecules and all of these things. If we talk bad to the plant for a week, the plant... It's going to like feel sad, you know? So everything has a spirit, even if it's a stone. Where I'm living here in the Andean mountains in Peru, the mountains here are sacred to the indigenous. They call them apus because they have a spirit. If you want to go on a hike, if you want to ask for support for your life or just to show respect, you're praying to the, to the spirit of the mountain with coca leaves you give an offering this is the way you do people here believe in the sacredness of their land as well as in the jungle because everywhere is spirit and we have to respect it as well so this is how i would, would describe that that world so I would like to go a little bit into your background. Could you please tell me why you do what you do? Yeah, why do I do what I do? I love the jungle and I believe and trust in the teachings of the jungle that I have received and the same for the indigenous way and the indigenous knowledge. I have deep gratitude inside myself for everything I have experienced in the jungle and I would like to give back to, to Pachamama, to Mother Earth in a sustainable way for what I have received, the healing I have received and the way my life has changed. And so there was one journey, I think it was three years ago, I was traveling through the rainforest and I was praying to the jungle that I am surrendering to, to her teachings and wherever she's going to take me in life, I'm going to follow. So I committed to a specific flow and I'm, I'm, I'm in a specific flow. The, the, the life I'm living now, it was never planned. I never made a schedule for this. There was an inner and outer revolution happening in my life. And, and I'm going with a flow and. I do love to share what I believe in. Okay. 
So you talked about the inner and outer revolutions. I, I would like to ask you, is that what you would call a turning point in your life? And yeah, definitely. What's, what is the background of, of this whole thing? And also, or let's say in another way, what is the background that it came to the point that you went to the jungle And what's the big picture of this situation being an inner and outer revolution? Yeah. So it was 2013 that I was going into the jungle for the first time for a couple of months. And the reason was to find a cure for my breast cancer, to make it very short and simple. I was diagnosed 10 years for the first time and I was going through some hospital treatments and a lot of hospital analysis and conversations with doctors in the field and I was just not satisfied with their approach and on the other hand my health state got much worse during the time of hospital treatment so I just felt like not fully seen and I was very disturbed by the energy in the hospitals and and by the the treatments and the whole way at that time I was in a relationship and we had a dog together together and our dog got sick with breast cancer. So what happened is that the conventional doctor said your dog going to die within a week needs operation and stuff like this. But we, through some circumstances, we found out about a naturopathic uh, veterinary doctor for our dog. So she, she made a natural remedy out of very simple ingredients for our dog. And within a week, everything was fine again. So I started connecting with this woman who also had a back background with breast cancer. That's why she changed, changed her life. That put me on the path. At that time, I was still living in Berlin to work with alternative natural medicines that were available in Europe, different, different categories, changing my food diet. Things didn't get better, but they didn't get worse either. And then through another circumstance, a dear friend of mine, he told me about plants in the Amazon rainforest that are cytotoxic, that can kill cancer cells. And from there, I was researching and I was having dreams about meeting the healer that I later met in the jungle um, I had dreams eight months before I went to the jungle of that healer. <clears throat> I was never in the jungle. I never met him. But when I arrived there, eventually eight months later, it was all like in my dreams that I had. So being the first time in the jungle, 2013, coming from the context of living in a Western city, that was, that was changing everything. Thank you for staying tuned for this edition of Challenging Paradigm X. If you like this episode with Haushita, feel free to share it with your community so Haushita's message gets spread even further. Also, if you are interested to get in touch with her, to get more insight or have any other questions, Haushita is happy to reply. You will find her contact in the description. Apart from that, if you like this episode, please hit subscribe, rate it, and if you find some time, I would be glad if you write me a review. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me. And if you like this podcast, you can support it through Patreon.
Next week, we are up with the second part of this two-part interview with Haushita. So until then, I wish you a great week and say ciao.